Thank you for having us. This is great to be here. Without a doubt. Nope. Uh, it's 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 true that the way we perceive, the way we see the world around us really informs how we take action, right? And we actually, as you said, people perceive differently. And there's no one right way. There are several ways. And then your life experience plays a place too. So we're all unique in the way we see things, but understanding that perceptual difference can really mitigate disconnects. It makes it far more interesting. You know, it's like every uh, TV show you've ever seen, uh, the crime dramas where there's four witnesses and they all see something different, right? It's all about their perception. It, what's important to one person isn't important to the other person. And that's why they all have varying degrees of, of uh, recall on exactly what happened so and it, of course it makes for a good tv drama but Right. Sure. So um, the theory, it basically is a behavioral theory. So we're saying that based on how you see the world is how you make meaning for yourself. And so we see perception, and this is what the theory describes as sort of a three-step process that happens in a blink of an eye. So first you take in information, data, just data from your five senses, uh, taste, touch, smell, hearing, and sight. Now, research will say that about 75%, assuming you have access to all five senses, 75% of your data input is from sight, 20% from hearing and taste, touch, and smell rounded out with the last 5%. 
But basically your senses are taking information into your brain as raw data. And what happens then is that your brain applies your perceptual filter, so your perceptual style, to make meaning of that raw data. What's important and what's not important, what to take action on, what not to take action on. But then there's a third step. And that is your brain also takes uh, into account life experience. Like, was this true before? Did this work for me? Did I like it? Was it okay? So it's a sort of a three-step thing that happens just like that. And what we describe in perceptual style theory is how those activities happen. So um, Gary, you want to do the the uh, sixth or the the base the tenant? Yeah, distinguishing principles.
So uh, we'll name them in alphabetical order. So there's activity. These people are the ones uh, who make meaning through experience. So they jump into life with both feet. Um, there's adjustments. These folks make meaning through the gathering of information, applying knowledge. They see a lot of complexity and ripple effects. There's uh, flow. These folks make meaning through the connectivity of everything. They believe everything is connected to everything else and supports everything else. And they tend to be very uh, people aware, people oriented, making meaning around community. Um, goals. These are the folks that make meaning based. They see the world as obstacles and problems to be solved, things to be done, accomplishments to be made, right? Um, methods. These folks make meaning through fact. They research the facts to make their decisions. They see things as fact, um, sort of the just the facts, ma'am, type of approach, but uh, obviously more well-rounded than that. And then um, vision. And the vision people make meaning of the world based on opportunity and possibility. They're probably the poster children for optimism. So there's the six styles. There's a theoretical construct where every style has two next door neighbors and one opposite and two one-offs. And so there's interesting dynamics that happen between the perceptual styles based on how those perceptions differ and what you will see differently and and uh, experience differently at, at you know in certain situations, so um, it's it's pretty fun. You're really one or the other, but with if you picture the styles in a wheel, that and everybody's a slice of the of the full pie then you're going to have a style on either side of you and you may some, share some high level similarities. For example, vision and goals are next to each other and they both share a sort of a future orientation. One is short-term future and the other one is sort of a longer term, vaguer future, but they're both see possibility and moving forward. Um, so you'll share some commonalities at a very high level, but then when you get down to how you do something, it'll be very different stylistically. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that, go Sure. Right. It's extremely important. Yes.
Exactly. Embrace it. We call it, we call it learning to stand in your strengths because you know, if you build your foundation around what you do naturally well, then you can meet life's challenges. You know when you have to stretch yourself or when you're not stretching, but you always have a home base to come back to because you know this is who you are. And when we have people take the assessment, we get a sort of a similar thing where they'll come back and say, I feel so validated. Did you like talk to my mom or something? And, and you know, but it's it's recognizing that because of how you see the world, you're amazingly good at these things. And honestly, it would take you a lifetime and probably more to develop all of the potential that you have. And that's the other thing that people are surprised by because you're your perceptual style and you have all this potential and you tend to have developed strengths in the in things that your life so far has called for. So you, you don't even know that that potential is sitting there and you could go like, oh, I could do that too. Oh, well, that's kind of fun. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, nothing is, the world is full of challenges and ups and downs, um, but we believe that happiness isn't this thing you acquire and hold on to for life. It's the little things every day that you enjoy because of who you are, right? And it's finding those small moments of joy and finding that strength that we really like to help people with. Because the world is full of people that are going to tell you what you do wrong. And that's their opinion, by the way. And so let's talk about what you do right. Yes. Yes. Um, what is it that the line, the, the narcissism of the slight difference? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a coin phrase that it's basically like worrying that that slight difference that makes that person less than you or, you know, and so it's, but it's, it's differences scare us, you know, because our brains were a bazillion years ago when we first uh, showed up on the earth, paying attention to negative things was, was, you know, it, it guaranteed your life. If you didn't pay attention you were going to get eaten or your house was going or whatever. You know, the point is negative. We had to respond to it because that is what kept us alive. And as our brains have evolved, we still see negative things first, but it's being able to put that in perspective. And, you know, it's it's learning that we got seven compliments and one criticism, and then all you remember is the criticism. So let's talk about why that happens. And let's go back to those seven compliments and, and buffer that criticism with that, you know, does it really matter? So. Oh, yes. So much comparison, so much un unnecessary and un unhelpful comparison. It is. Yes.
Yes, in the sense that we think your perceptual style is a representation of your innate bias. It's like what our brains, what we were, the filter we were born with, because if we think about it, if all you were doing is taking in data every second from all of your senses, we'd be in constant states of overwhelm, right? We, there's, there's, how would we make sense of all of that stuff? And so, you know, an innate bias is li literally a gift. It's your perceptual filter that says, let me, let me sort this through to make meaning of it. What's nice about understanding that that is there is that there is literally nothing wrong with it. If, if I could go on a, you know, a campaign for there's one bias that's good, <laughs> it would be the concept of a perceptual filter because it helps you sort through. But what we're saying is, is that since no one filter is the best, it is everybody does it. We all do it. Okay, we're not seeing the same thing. Let's talk about it. Okay, it gives you a place to start as opposed to assuming that because the other person didn't see things the way you did, that they're purposely pressing your buttons or trying to be a twit or whatever. So, but that's the concept. And innate bias is different than like cognitive bias, which is sort of an error in thinking or um, unconscious bias, which are falsehoods that we believe to be true just because that's what was presented to us when we were small or that's how, you know, we don't realize that we're applying a bias to it, uh, an unhealthy bias to it. So the difference is, is you can't change your perceptual filter, but unhealthy biases you can learn to recognize and change. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this happens This happens to both of us when we start doing rabbit trails in our own heads as we're talking about this stuff. So basically what happens is that the more you're aware of how you see the world, the, uh, the more you lean into it, okay? So you can lean into it. And so there's two ways of approaching it. One is that you lean into it so much that you basically decide the rest of the world is wrong, uh, which is not where we want you to go, or you lean into it because you're you're aware instantly of where how you came to the conclusion you did, and it opens questions for you about whether you want to know something else. But it's it's being able to rely on your perception like muscle memory, as opposed to looking over your shoulder and questioning yourself. So it grows. The more you're aware of it, the, the, the more depth you get to it, the more you see how it impacts every piece of your life, uh, the more you can draw on it for the strength that you need during times of crisis, and the more open you are to saying, this is how I feel. Do you have a different point of view? Let me consider, right? It, and so that's the kind of growth we hope happens for, for folks. So what you're looking at there is, so when we were trying to group things to look for if there were commonalities of groups about what do we share just from being human, that's how we came up with those fundamental aspects. And then what we did is say, but people, what that filter does for you is it puts a different stress, a different combination of those things is how your perception works. We all do them, but we do them in different order with different different emphasis. And that's how we came up with the six styles. We didn't 
we didn't say, ooh, six would be a good number. We sort of evolved into six. Um, right. Right. So that and so that had a lot to do with how we built the assessments, because there's assessments to uh, determine your perceptual style. There's actually a free one if people want to try that and, uh, you know, get a taste for it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the basis of it. And then each each style goes ap approaches life slightly differently. So. I was just say they're the energizer bunnies of our of our styles. Um, we also we also will kid uh, kid around with activity folks because they're often they'll that when they're interested in something they dive in, but they can be easily distracted. So there are you know next shiny object folks. It's like look squirrel, um, and it's so fun. But lots of energy, lots of action, uh, lots of involvement in life. Right. <laughs> I understand. Adjustments, okay. And so adjustments folks see the world as very intricate and complex where everything is related to everything else, people, environment, situations, organizations. So of all the styles, they see the most complexity and ripple effects. Um, they are naturally drawn towards uh, making processes that create efficient, reliable results. Uh, they are observers of life because how they see all of that nuance and complexity is by observing first. And so they often are mistaken for being quiet, but usually what they've learned over the course of their life is that they have so much information that the average person cannot absorb, you know, that other 84% of the world that's not adjustments, right? So they tend to look for cues to be invited into conversation and then you're amazed at the wealth of knowledge that happens. Um, they are calm, natural diplomats. They understand protocol. 
so they, you know, will honor the easily honor protocol in an organization. They sense it, right? And people often go to them to help with mediation and negotiation because they're seen as fair, uh, calm, you know, and they 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 have a, a motto that every adjustments person I've ever worked with has laughed and said, oh, yeah, how did you know? And it's basically there wouldn't be a problem if you had all of the information to make the right decision. <laughs> so you, you need you need that. So they're very information oriented, a wealth of knowledge, keen observers, and they try and approach things rationally and logically. They're naturally empathetic as well. And so they're often sought out by others because they're such great empathetic listeners. You know, they'll always make time to listen to someone else that's in trouble, often to their own detriment. I mean, actually learning how to set self-boundaries is a challenge for flow people and that, they, you know, because they they give a lot. Right. Usually, I agree. Goals, goals. So our goals folks see the world as obstacles and challenges that are there to be met. Um, and they're very decisive. They are very forward oriented, like moving forward, not going back, making making positive change. Uh, they like change. They're incredible at uh, at um, realigning things when chaos hits, great crisis managers, uh, part of it being because they're so decisive, they'll, based on what they know right now, they'll make a decision that will allow things to move forward. Uh, they enjoy competition. They don't see competition as a bad thing. Uh, participation trophies drive them crazy. 
um, because they see the world as winners and losers, not in a harsh sense, but like if you make the effort, you can accomplish. If you sit back, you won't. You know, it's that type of thing. Um, have high endurance, usually will push themselves way beyond what other people can push. Very focused uh, on a, on they don't start something they can't finish. Um, and so there, there are poster children for getting things done, creating stability and chaos, um, problem solvers, just they love problem solving and they are uh, really great at what I would call triage, not, you know, if you applied it to the broader sense than just medical triage, but it's like, we got a problem here, the situations here are answers, let's move. Um, so they're great, very decisive, lots of leadership. Uh, many leadership uh, training courses are written from the voice of goals about how to get things done. Yeah. They can be. I guess the point is, is that they um, they will not jump to a conclusion. They will gather the facts. So once they've gathered the facts and they've made a decision, they're pretty unflexible about the decision because for them, like in contrast to goals, goals is going to make a decision based on what they know right now, move forward. They'll revisit the decision if you say, wait a minute, a critical part wasn't known at that point, and now it could make a huge difference. But otherwise, they'll say, why go back? We're moving forward. What do we do now? Where methods, they've spent the time researching and sorting through the facts. So their decision is more personal because they've got time and stuff invested in it, right? And so once they've decided, they're 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 pretty sure that is the right answer. And there's always only one right answer. Um, there, there's only one priority one, you know, where activity has seven priority ones, so or more. You know, so that's you can see where some conflicts happen there.
Well, we all get along well with our own um, at, to a certain extent, but you're guaranteed to have a disconnect with someone with the same style just because your life experience is different. So you think you're on the same page and it's sort of magical because you get where the other person's coming without ex coming from without explanation. And then, then suddenly they turn left when you were going to turn right. And you're like, whoa, what happened there? Um, but methods, uh, they're direct opposites of activity. And I know a bunch of great partnerships that are methods activity people because they complement each other. So, I mean, every style can get along with every other style. There's just different challenges. There's different things that you do when you're dealing with a neighbor than an opposite or one off, but they get along with everybody. We all do, right? Uh, vision. Um, they see the world as opportunity and possibility. So they are future oriented. They have a general vague idea of where they're going. So that's thus the vision, you know, so they have an idea in their head of what needs to happen. And then they move towards that. Very optimistic. They use their intuition a lot. Uh, it's not unusual to hear a vision person say something. I just have a gut feel about this as a yes or a no. The other styles see them as risk takers, really big risk takers. Vision people don't see the risk. Um, they'll do something because for them, um, failure is not, it's a life lesson. It's a lesson moving on. You know, you won't know unless you try and it didn't work. Okay, moving on, next thing. Uh, very decisive, uh, like goals, but uh, vision is very flexible in their decision. It's like, we need a decision, here's mine. Oh. We can change it tomorrow. So it, 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 to other styles, it looks like they're changing on a dime. For them, it's like they're responding to whatever the possibility or opportunity is to next do. Very uh, innovative thinkers. They're the ones who, uh, one of the sayings that could be attributed to them was think out of the box. You know, let's, let's, let's throw things up against the wall and see what sticks. Um, so they, uh, they are naturally persuasive. Um, you will find uh, vision folks uh, very, very good at doing that. When they get overly persuasive, they can feel a little preachy, um, but they're sort of uh, natural. Uh, they believe in influence and impact and inspiring other people. So that makes them very happy if they can do any of those things. <laughs> Sure. No, they're 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 one-offs, but that's that's why you can be you'll be solidly a, a perceptual style. So vision, that's you. And then you say, ah, but I have some interest in community, and I have you know some awareness of working with people, and I like doing those things. And what we would tell you is that is the layer that how you prefer to interact with other people. So it brings out those more community-oriented, helping other people, resourcing other people-oriented skills that are part of your perceptual style. So that's why it's so important. You know, um, whenever you use one of these tools for self-help or self-growth, it's really important. You're, you're going to get something from any tool. Um, and the point is, is that it's not, you're, you're not just a label, you are a style and your life experience. And that's what makes you unique. And so that's what's so important in our theory is that it's not only your innate style that is yours forever, but it's also how you've lived it so far that flavors everything about you. And it's understanding this, these are my natural tendencies. These are my natural strengths. And here's how my life experience has solidified or made me question that. And that's how that's, you know, that's the importance of how you express your perceptual style.
And it's and and because it's innate, not inherited, it is highly likely that you have a different perceptual style than either of your parents, uh, different perceptual style than your siblings. It's really, really common to see, you know, a family of four have four styles or three styles or something like that. And so we're also influenced by our parents who are trying to teach us the life lessons they want us to know from the perspective of how they live their life. So what happens to us is that some of our natural skills can be devalued because it's not how our parents would do it. It is how we would do it. Or they can be, you know, encouraged and valued. And it's it's that constant push and pull. So a lot of times when Gary was saying, you know, around we've uh, worked with high school juniors and seniors and found that to be successful using perceptual style and helping them. Um, it, perceptual style doesn't dictate what you're going to be good at, you know, career-wise or what you're interested in. I mean, you're going to be interested in something. So any style can be a lawyer, any style can be a mechanic, any, it, it's what interests you, it's how you're going to go about doing it. And usually what your specialization will work towards will be style influenced, right? So what we did with it's whatever they wanted, you know, wherever they were choosing for their career, cool. Uh, wherever they were choosing to go to school or not, cool. What we did was take that information and blend it with the information about their perceptual style to give them tips and techniques on how to make the most out of the environment that they were going into. And that proved to be very successful. But the point is, I got off track for a second, is that you need to be old enough to understand your own ego and not be parenting what your parents tell you you are, right? And so that that happens different, you know, different kids, different somewhere between that 15 to 18 time frame. They and as if you've raised teenagers, you've watched it happen as they come into their own, right? <laughs> There's a reason. Yep. And, and you get that. You get that push pull when they're teenagers because they're trying to identify as themselves and yet they don't want to be out on their own, you know, so you get that constant tug of war for those few years. So it is. Exactly. Right.
Yes. And it's, it's hard when it, 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 it's that fine line where protecting becomes prescriptive and, and restrictive as opposed to guiding and preparation. And that's, it's, it's a hard line, you know, and if you're experiencing trauma yourself, it's difficult to, to not have that. You have to consciously not pass that same trauma along. And uh, so that's, that's a lot of hard work. I think um, what I would say is I hope people will go and check out perceptual style and take the free assessment because it'll give them some information and, you know, start to do that. But mostly it was whatever you find speaks to you, whatever helps you continue on your journey of being more aware of yourself, standing comfortably in who you are and growing a little bit every day, then I say, go do that and don't wait and make it a priority in your life. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Start from strength. It sounds so simple, but don't start from what you think is a weakness. Certainly, if they're bothering you, write them down, hold them to the side, then focus on what you do well, then go back and look at the things you think you were missing, and your perspective will be significantly different. And, you know, yes, can we all improve? Yes. Will we all have acquired skills? You bet your Red Rider, you can't live through life without having to acquire skills that are foreign to your natural repertoire. But putting them in perspective and knowing not to spend all your time and energy doing that all day long, right, when you have all these other things that you're so good at. So that's that's what we hope for. Life is too short not to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. We do. We do. We uh, we work with individuals, um, uh, entrepreneurs. We have sort of a wide, wide set, um, some families, uh, a lot of uh, coaches so that they can incorporate the assessment in their coaching uh, practice. So, you know, it's, it's available kind of there's a lot of practical applications just depending on what you want to do career, 
you know, career development, that kind of stuff. So perfect. We do both. We do both. So virtual is, you know, we do in person in the, in our local area. We do some travel, but a lot, a lot of Zoom. And uh, as with everyone, pandemic changed and it, it's so easy now. It's like there's no travel time and everybody likes Zoom, right? So, so we do both. Yes. So it's uh, yourtalentadvantage.com. So www.yourtalentadvantage.com. It's on Amazon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Amazon, you know, so you can get ebook, paperback, whatever. There's several other sellers, but I always just say Amazon. It's easier. Once it's on Amazon, it's kind of everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it goes from there. Yes. Well, thanks for having us and thank you for the work that you do because what you work with is extremely important for helping people to actually find and enjoy their lives. So we're glad to have been part of that. You're welcome. Bye. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.